Hey, we're Brittany and Tiffany, and we're obsessed with all things meal planning. And we're here to help you navigate both the wild and wonderful parts of feeding your people. I'm a mama to seven and the creator of The Deliberate Day. I'm a mama of five, an ideal and inspiration. We'll teach you the tried and true secrets to getting meals on the table with more love and less overwhelm. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, get comfortable, and come learn with us. Okay, so this entire week we've been talking about taking a real look into ways that we can increase our gratitude even when it's difficult, even when we're in a difficult season. And we've been going over the different common suggestions from the quote-unquote experts. Things like journaling, getting outside and exercising, drinking more water, getting more sleep, volunteering like you're not already doing that in your house, savoring your experiences, which... (gasps) Yeah, I know. That's like, it's wonderful to write it down on paper and see it. But like, really? Um, Writing to someone, definitely not post it to your husband over and over again. (laughs) Making a visitor going on a trip. And today we're going to round out this whole series with meditation and prayer and then noticing your complaints and reshaping your mindset. So to start us off on meditation and prayer... I have to admit, my first thought here is of somebody sitting up on a mountain, listening to the wind, seeing birds fly by, sitting quietly all by themselves uninterrupted. So in reality, it feels it feels near impossible as a mom. Like meditation, doesn't that require quiet? And that is something I have in very, very short supply. So is that really something we're supposed to do as a mom? Does it really even change anything if, if your meditation gets interrupted or if your prayer isn't prayerful enough or your meditation isn't long enough? Is it really going to help? Okay, so here's the thing, right? It really does, like it does. I would like to tell you it doesn't. I don't want to give you another thing to put on your to-do list, but there are so, so many benefits to meditation and prayer. And when Brittany and I say meditation and prayer, we're really kind of using the term interchangeably, right? Because we're we're both Catholic, we're both women of faith, and so I think I can speak for Brittany, but when I meditate, I really meditate with Christ in mind, right? So if you hear us say meditate, just hold off on the angry letters knowing if you're a Catholic, (laughs) because I think that maybe in the world it can mean something different. But for us, it's really interchangeable with prayer because we're always there with Christ, of course. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But so what, what can this change? Like, what's the biggest change this has, Brittany? First of all, it has a huge impact on your relationship with your creator, and that changes everything. It, it really does. It changes so, so, so much, Mama, for us to connect with our creator, to connect with God. Well, and like we were listening to Jasmine Starlack last week, and she said some term that was amazing. It was like waterfallonomics. Like it just, if you are working on your relationship with your creator, it is going to overflow into the other areas of your life. I'm not saying you're going to feel connected to God all the time because I can't promise you that. That's your own journey. But I know that the effort there does have other effects on your world. And one other really big effect is that this prayer and meditation can also reduce your stress. It can reduce your anxiety. And it's also And these are all scientific things. It has also been shown scientifically to reduce your risk of depression. 
I mean, that's huge, honestly. It also promotes emotional health overall, and that actually has an impact on our physical health. It can also increase your focus and help you get better sleep. One thing I do is I try to couple Wim Hof breathing with my husband at night with with prayer and with meditation. And I have found that I sleep so much better on the nights that I remember to do that than when I don't. It also increases resiliency. And this is one of the things that the experts said, come on, who does not need this right now? I feel like we are in a state and in a culture that desperately needs resiliency and it needs faith. It does, because everything, if you listen to John Acuff, he says, everything is a thing. Do I shake someone's hand? Do I hug them? Can I say hi to them? Do they want me breathing on them? It's a little bit less right now, but whoever had to think about that before like two years ago? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Everything is a thing. That's right. Everybody feels like an overthinker now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I never understood it until, you know, and, and also I, I have found personally in my life, I've really been making an effort to meditate and pray every morning. And when I do that, I am calmer throughout the day and I'm a relatively calm person anyways, but I just feel like I can handle things better And what mom doesn't want to feel like they can handle things better? I completely agree. I can say, too, that I have seen a huge difference when I dedicate myself and make the effort to saying prayers in the morning or to taking quiet time and meditating, that it helps create a mental pause. It helps shape my mindset for the day ahead with an outlook of gratitude and with an outlook of service, which really, really helps create a mental pause when I feel spent throughout the day. And every mom knows that feeling of just being done, of like, okay, I'm going to clock out. Yes. But we can't clock out. Yes. (laughs) You can't clock out because you don't even get paid. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So so what is the solution, Brittany? What what can we do, especially if we're a mom with a bunch of littles? uh, What? How can we make this a part of our day? I think the biggest thing for moms is that we have to start small because we we have limited capacity every day. We have limited spoons, so to speak, if you've ever heard of the spoon theory. And because of that, starting small is kind of not only the best option, but one of our only options a lot of times. And one of the biggest hangups for me personally when I think about meditation and prayer is that it feels impossible because of just how over-sensoried I am. Like the overstimulation that happens in my day makes me feel like my brain is melting out of my ears by the end of the day a lot of days. And you've got so much noise and you've got obligations and they start the minute that your children's eyes open. And actually they kind of go even throughout the time that your children's eyes are closed. So it's hard to think, where am I ever going to find a break to sit and meditate for 20 minutes like they're saying I need to? Here's where we... Are getting lost. It doesn't need to be 20 minutes. It doesn't need to be on a beach. It doesn't need to be on a mountain. Those would all be divine, but it doesn't need to be there. And starting small is just as good because you're starting. And that's the key here. So literally one minute, spend one minute in prayer and meditation. And I'm going to encourage you to use that one minute and stay quiet for that time. Don't recite prayers or ask for the things you want or pray for the things that you might need. Spend that one minute in quiet with God because there's a lot of power in giving our brains, especially as moms, giving our brains time to process in quiet and time to 
be there with our creator to listen to him. And if you can stay quiet for that time, thoughts are going to come in and that's okay. You're going to be thinking, I definitely need to make sure I lay that out before we leave the dentist's office. And then I forgot that so-and-so was behind on their math right now. So I definitely need to work on that later. It's okay if these thoughts come in, but go ahead and just release them. And, and don't be worried that if you release them, they'll never come back again because I promise they will. But release them and then come back into that kind of inner silence or come back into that inner room where you are sitting with Jesus. And really, you know, we've talked about the morning and the evening, but it doesn't have to be in the morning and the evening. You could do this any time of the day. And the goal is not doing it at 6 a.m. every day. The goal is just doing it every day. Absolutely. You do want to shoot for consistency. And so look for a point in your day where you can find one minute. I promise you, I promise you, you can find one minute. And when you do, set an alarm for that time so that you remember, hey, this is my one minute. And do it once a day. And I'm here to tell you because I'm the one who does this all the time. If you happen to fall asleep during that one minute, (laughs) because sleep is my superpower, that's okay. All right, so now let's dig into reshaping your mindset. And a big portion of this is noticing your complaints. Okay, so I don't really understand the opposite side of this. I I do, but I don't. But Okay, let me step in here because I can definitely see the other side of that. (laughs) Noticing your complaints. This is something that I admitted in the earlier podcast about as well. And just having a whole year where I was so fixated on the struggles and the challenges and the complaints that I was having every day that I I truly didn't remember anything good. And so for me, it was the fact that I I really wanted to. I wanted to reshape my mindset. I, I didn't want to focus on complaints. But when the freshest thought in my mind was the complaint or this negative thought, it was, it's just hard for me to imagine what this reshaped thought should look like. We're hearing so much about these mindset shifts. And I can tell you as somebody practicing that from not being that way at all, they're right. Everything they say is true and it changes so much. But it's really hard when you're starting out and you don't really have all the tools you need to reshape the thoughts on your own, you know. But I want to tell you that this this is like using a mental muscle, you know. you It's not that you don't have it. It's just that you haven't worked it out enough to use it well yet and that as you do it will keep getting better and another thing is I really believed that complaining was healthy but there's a difference between complaining and latching on to negativity continually throughout your day and being able to release some of these negative thoughts that we're having or process these difficulties that we're having okay there there's a difference between just complaining and then having a healthy process for dealing with things. Well, and I think a lot of, you know, I've heard people say like life just feels so hard. It feels so heavy right now. Yeah. And and it does and it can. And if you're in one of those periods like I I I do, I understand, but I just want to encourage you to keep building that muscle as much as possible. If you have to complain, go complain. But like Brittany said, release it. Don't live there. You have to look for the good, right? And maybe I personally am not. We just had a, (laughs) I don't, oh, it was on a YouTube video, Brittany and I. So our friend sent us this YouTube video and Brittany and I watched it. 
And the gentleman on the video was really good. And he talked about moving from, I don't know, uninformed optimism <laughs> to informed persistence or something. It was, anyways, I kind of live in uninformed optimism and I am working on that. Okay, you guys. But you do have to have a little bit of that uninformed optimism in this life and in this world. You just have to move forward with the hope that, you know what, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to get better. Yeah, definitely. And, and so that's, that's... And if you feel like you're just going to spend your entire day reshaping because life is just really hard, like that's okay. You're starting small because this is a muscle, right? And you're not going to start out with 100 reps of anything. No. You're going to start out with a very small set of reps, and that's what we're going to do here too. So I've already said it. Does it change anything? Yes, 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 it does. But let's actually dig into what the quote-unquote experts say that it really changes to reshape your mindset. So changing your mindset actually will increase your positive attitude. And this even promotes your health for your cardiovascular system. How crazy is that? So this mental shift has an impact on your physical health. It's huge, honestly. It's huge. And I actually think they're finding out more and more that our mental health has a much bigger impact on our physical health than we've ever given it credence for before. And then it also increases lifespan, which is huge. Hello. They found that extremely negative people did not have as long a lifespan as people who had this growth mindset or this mindset that could adapt and start to change things over time. Well, and when we talk about mental health and your mindset, it really can lower the rates of depression and anxiety to change Definitely. your mindset. It yeah. can. It, it absolutely can. It also promotes a healthier immune system, which that's is bonkers science. crazy. Yes. Like, that's what? That's incredibly cool. They've proven that with science. Like your thoughts can change your blood. It can change what your blood is doing, you guys. You guys. Real science. Yes. <laughs> so it also increases, I mean, not surprisingly, it, it increases your coping skills, right? And this is crazy, though. As we were researching, it reduces your responses to pain. They found that people who were in chronic pain who they took and started helping them focus on noticing their complaints and reshaping their mindset started to reduce their pain, started to reduce their chronic pain. What? Yeah. That's how cool is that? It's so cool. How cool is that? Okay. And finally, it creates mental habits for our children. This is a big one because I know that as mamas, we want to raise good kids. We want to raise kids well. And when we're raising them and teaching ourselves to notice our complaints and we're teaching ourselves to reshape our mindset, then we are teaching our children by our actions and our actions always speak louder than our words. Always. So we're teaching them not to complain and we're teaching them to recognize blessings how incredibly beautiful is that? Okay, it is so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. But how can we tell mamas and even ourselves, like, like how can we do that in our day to day? Like, we know this is so good for us, but how? What's what's the practical application? The practical application is to remember first and foremost, this is a muscle. It's a muscle, and I, admittedly, I am still learning. It takes time, it takes practice, and it takes starting small. Well, and I'm going to tell you that as you move through your day, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, but 
even just recognizing when you're having a negative thought, that is a huge start. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't thought of any of this stuff up to this point, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about this. Hopefully not, because hopefully you listen to our other (laughs) podcast. But just knowing when you're actually complaining and catching yourself doing that is huge. It's huge, 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 huge. And before you know it, once you can feel that complaint coming on, Maybe you can stop yourself or you can stop yourself from continuing to spiral. Yes. Okay. Stop yourself mid-sentence even because that can just be enough in the beginning. I Like I said at the beginning of this, it's not always easy to think about the correct thought or the new solution. And so when you're starting small, it can be enough just to stop yourself from living in that complaint something else I want to say here too is to plan for your capacity as much as possible so that you don't use up all of your spoons and I talked about this on another podcast so if you're not familiar with the spoon theory the spoon theory is actually a metaphor describing the amount of physical and or mental energy that a person has available for daily activities and tasks and then how it becomes or how it can become limited It was actually coined by a writer and blogger named Christine, I am going to botch her last name, so I apologize if she ever listens to this, Miserandino. And she basically said that using, she sat down at a restaurant with friends and then using spoons, she used that to represent units of energy that a person might have while she was talking to this friend. She reduced the spoons to represent how chronic illness kind of forced her to plan out her days and actions in, in advance so that she didn't run out of energy. In other words, if you start with five spoons at the beginning of every day and you say, okay, I know that running to this doctor's appointment is going to cost one spoon, you put one spoon down, you say, okay, I've got four spoons left. And then you say, okay, I know that we're probably going to have quite a few problems at the doctor's office, and so the kids are going to need to burst some energy out afterwards. We're going to go to the park. But going to the park means that I lose one more spoon. And then getting home and trying to get dinner on is going to use up one more spoon. And so on and so forth. Or maybe just getting the kids back in the car after the park is going to use a spoon. You know, depending on what your capacity really is in this season. Having to nurse the baby all day is going to use up a spoon. So you start to plan based on your capacity as much as possible. Because when we use up all of our spoons, it makes it so much harder to have this positive mindset and not to feel complainy and not to start living in that difficulty and in that challenge, right? So... And now that you've heard this and Brittany has explained it to you, I want to caution you, if you're going to use this in your life, like say in texts to your friends, make (laughs) sure to tell them about the spoon theory before you tell them that you're out of spoons. Because I kept getting texts from Brittany and she was like, I don't have any spoons left. And I was like... I don't think I Which is I mean, even funnier because if you've ever been at my house, you know that I buy spoons in bulk from Sam's Club. Yeah. So there's like 4,200 spoons in our drawer. Well, and I know for sure I have at least one of Brittany's spoons. So I didn't know if maybe that was her way of telling me that she needed that spoon back. I was like, why on oh, earth no. is she running out of spoons so often? My good, is her dishwasher broken again? What is going on? But... I think, though, that's very true. We've talked about planning, we and we're going to actually talk about planning even more coming up, but you, you have to know, again, what your capacity is. And knowing what your capacity is and working within that, even if you have to pull back to close to nothing for a little bit, 
and add back a little at a time to figure out how you can exist with a better mindset and keep those spoons that you desperately need. You don't have to have a chronic illness to, to fully understand this theory in your real life. Just knowing what you're capable of and working within that and then little by little expanding that capability is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. So let's go ahead and recap now. All right. Pray and meditate. Pray or meditate. Pray, meditate, just do it. Absolutely. And build your positive mindset muscle. Give yourself space to start small, but start. Start small and start to build this positive mindset. Okay, and what we want you to do today on our final day of this series is for the next 24 hours, pay attention and do your very best to catch yourself and maybe even your kids when you're about to complain. Just try to catch yourself when you're going to do that. And I'll also say go a small step further and catch yourself and don't complain to your kids. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a really, and that's hard. It's so hard, but it's so good. Yeah. Not about them, not about your husband, not about your mother, not about their clothing, not about their eating habits, etc. It's sometimes we catch ourselves or we don't catch ourselves complaining to our children about all of these things because this is what's just happening in our day and they're the only people that we have to talk to. And so just for the next 24 hours, try to catch yourself anytime you're about to complain to your kids about anything. And if you tend to let your husband hear all of your different complaints when he comes home from work, which is totally understandable because our husbands love us and we love them and they want what's best for us, try to end the conversation with a few positives from your day. Yeah, because this is going to help you. It's going to help your husband and it's going to help your relationship. We're not trying to trade one for the other or do equal amounts here, but after you use your husband as your sounding board because he's your best friend, then just take a little bit of time to throw in some positives so that those are the things that kind of sit and linger at the end of the conversation and not all of these negatives. Because honestly, from somebody who, whose husband is an amazing sounding board, I think it's hard not to shape how they feel about coming home when you land blast them with all of the negatives that happened that day. It's hard to be excited about, you know, doing things with the family and being with the family when all you hear are the hardships a lot of times. So sprinkle in some of these good things too. And if you're going to sprinkle in some of those good things, try to do it with an earshot of whatever kid the good thing is about. Yeah, that's true. 